Faith Lutheran Church welcome you to the 8 o'clock broadcast of our worship service from the Faith Ministry Center Sanctuary. Today is the sixth Sunday after Pentecost. Leading the liturgy this morning is Mike Henning, our Director of Christian Education. Preaching today would be Reverend Adam Taves. We will be following Lutheran Service Book, Divine Service Setting 3. We joined the service already in progress. Good morning, everybody. And what a great day it is to gather together and magnify our glorious Lord. And thank you for that, Jeannie and Jim. We appreciate both of you. Uh, welcome to Faith Church today as we celebrate God's grace and his goodness, another day of his blessings in our lives. We're continuing our summer sermon series on the lies that we believe. And today we get to talk about some of the lies we live and hear all the time about marriage. And again, remember the gift that God has given us of marriage. So we'll talk about that in our time in the Word today. Uh, uh, just one announcement I wanted to share with you before we begin our, our devotions that we write uh, here in-house uh, that are daily devotions that help you get prepared for the next weekend's worship uh, are available for you in the back of the church on those tables. You can grab one or two on the way out uh, that will help you get ready for the things that we talk about in worship. So those start, the new devotions start already tomorrow. So the new books are in the back. You can grab one there or you can also get online and register to have them emailed to you every day so you can start your day in the word of the Lord every day. So those are finally here and available for you to pick up. So what do you say we get busy worshiping our amazing God together today? Would you please rise as we begin with our call to worship?
We'll continue with our call to worship. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Praise to the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. As a result, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Most merciful God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us. And for his sake, grant us remission of all our sins. And by your Holy Spirit, increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will and true obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now the good news. Upon this, your confession... I, by virtue of my office as one of your called and ordained servants of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks be to God.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Loving Lord, all of us have sinned and fall short of your glory, but you have offered us your grace and unconditional love through the sacrificial work of Jesus. Thank you for your faithful love and care. Help us to be as steadfast in our relationships with others, always remembering to have the same mindset of Christ Jesus and forgiving others as you have forgiven us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's now time for our children's message. Just looking out here to see, do we have any kids that would like to come forward? Looks like there's a few that are going to come up. Perfect. And you can come up and sit right in this very first pew. Well, I would like to welcome you all this morning to Mr. Mike's Cooking 101. Are you excited to be here and make some super triple chunk brownies? Or is it too, is it too early for brownies? You say no to that question immediately. It's never too early for brownies, especially triple chunk chocolate brownies. These are some of my favorite and they are so easy to make. I've got my brownie mix, and this is really easy. It only takes one egg, and it only takes a cup of water. How easy is that? But you know what I found out, and I found out on one of these weird little online cooking tip things, that you can make these even better just by adding a little special ingredient. Would you like to know what that secret special ingredient is? Yeah? Me too. Tuna Florentine with spinach, cat food. I've been told that if I just put a little bit in with the rest of the brownie mix, that these brownies will be the best brownies ever. Would you like to try it? No? You know, one of the first jobs I had, I was a salesman. I sold sporting goods and fitness equipment. I'm a pretty good salesman. I think if I had about 15 minutes, I could get you to eat cat food brownies. <laughs> I could convince you that these would be the best brownies ever made in all of human history. If I ate those, I would spit it out. If you ate those, I, you know what? I would probably spit it out too. Well. We're going to use that little cat food demonstration as an example of the lies that people try to tell us or that the devil try to tell us to convince us that little sins aren't so bad. So let's talk about what's a little sin. First of all, a sin is doing something that God desires for us not to do. Okay, so that's a sin. And some people like to try to convince us that little sins are okay. Like, for example, what if your mom or your dad or your grandma or grandpa actually made some really good brownies, set them on the table, and they said, no brownies for you, not yet, you have to wait. And then they leave the room. And you look around, Nobody's here. If I just take, if I just take one brownie, nobody will ever know. And you take that brownie, you put it in your mouth, and then you run. And you get out of the kitchen. Nobody knows. It was just one brownie. 
But you know what you did? You went against what either your mom or your dad or your grandma or grandpa told you not to do. In the Bible, that's called sin. Because in the Bible, we're, we are told to honor our father and our mother. That also means other people that are in charge. But that was just, a little, that was just one brownie. Just one. Not a big deal, right? A sin is a sin. I just read from Romans chapter 3 where it says all of us have sinned. All of us have sinned. It doesn't matter if we think it's a little sin or a big sin. Now, a big sin we could think of, well, I didn't take a brownie, but I went to the bank and I stole a million dollars. You might think that's a bigger sin, right? Well, it might be, but it's still a sin, isn't it? So whether or not I take a brownie or a million dollars, I have sinned. And you know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us even though that we've all sinned, the Bible also tells us that we should go before God and confess or tell God that we have sinned and we are really sorry. That's what we call confession. So this is what I want you to remember. It doesn't matter if you think it's a little sin or a big sin, it's still a sin. And people try to convince us that those little sins aren't so bad. But in God's eyes, it's still a sin. Can you pray with me? I'll pray. You repeat, okay? Will you repeat after me? Dear God, thank you for the forgiveness of all our sins both big and small. We thank you for the forgiveness that comes through Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for being here this morning. And please do not try that recipe at home. <laughs> And we'll continue with our first reading today from Romans chapter 2. Listen to the words of Paul. You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kingdom, tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you're able, please rise. Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 19th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh? So they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate." 
Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send him away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. This is the gospel of the Lord. Let us confess our Christian faith through the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. For hence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I should say hello, everybody. I'm Pastor Dan, one of the pastors here at church. It's been five weeks since I've stood here in the pulpit with vacations and just being at the other side and such, so if I go a little long today, I've stored up for five weeks. <laughs> just saying. Well, as you heard earlier, we are in this summer series called The Lies We Believe. We're talking about this world in which we live where we are bombarded by so many different opinions and thoughts, and, and not everything is good. Not everything is right. Not everything is according to God's will and His ways for us. And so we're trying to unpack these lies that we hear and really dig into the Word of God because that's where we find truth. That's how we determine what's right and what's wrong in the Word of God, right? So we're looking at the lies we believe, and today we're going to spend uh, some time talking about the lies we hear about marriage these days. If you've been with us along the way, you know we've already talked about those terrible, destructive self-lies that we hear. Lies like, I must be perfect, or I must have everyone's approval to be happy, or my favorite, my unhappiness is always somebody else's fault. We also spent some time talking about these dangerous worldly lies that we hear. Things like, you should have it all, or life should be fair, things like that. In fact, if you've missed any of those sermons in the past, uh, both the audio and video recordings of that are available on our website. You can get back and, and catch up some of the things you missed. But today we want to zero in on lies about marriage. So you might want to pull out your little outline that you received in your service folder as we work through the Word of God together. Well, you see there that first verse at the top of your outline from Hebrews 13, 4 says, marriage should be honored by everyone. And so as I start this week talking about marriage, it's important for us to remember that whether you're married or not, whether you're divorced or separated or widowed or currently married, regardless of what state you're in, this verse of the Scripture applies to all of you, to everyone. That's what it says. Marriage should be honored by whom? By everyone. So regardless of whether I ever marry or not or whether I've been married in the past and I'm not now, we are to honor marriage. God says so in His Word. Everyone is to honor marriage. Sadly, marriage is no longer honored by everyone in our society today. In fact, I think it's just the opposite these days. In fact, one of the lies that we believe today, or that we hear a lot today, is that marriage is not important anymore. If you look in your outline, you'll see that people have a tendency today to dismiss marriage as being irrelevant or they see marriage as archaic and say things like, who needs to be married? It's an old-fashioned idea for another generation or for another culture. It's a man-made lifestyle choice, and really it's just dismissed. 
Nobody gets to, needs to be married today, they say. Marriage is demeaned by many people. It's demeaned. It's a career buster, they say. You're getting married? Well, there goes your career. Or marriage is delayed. People are delaying marriage more and more, many times for the wrong reasons. If I hear one more person tell me, you know, you wouldn't buy a pair of shoes without trying it on first, and then try and make marriage like trying on a pair of shoes, I think I'll just die. There's good reasons for delaying marriage, but there are also selfish reasons for delaying marriage. Marriage is being redefined, changed into something other than the beautiful thing that God himself has made it. Marriage is being ridiculed. It's being denounced. It's being discouraged. Marriage is being disrespected. You see what I'm saying? We live in a culture where marriage is not honored by everyone anymore. And even Christians can fall for that trap. Part of the problem, I think, is that a few, only a few people know the basics of marriage anymore, what it really is and what it's intended for. Fifty years ago, I think if I went out in the street and asked the question, what's the purpose of marriage? I think most people could tell me. Today, I'm not sure what kind of answer I would get. Marriage is just treated today like another lifestyle choice. But if you're following along in your outline... It is clear that the Bible doesn't see marriage as a lifestyle choice. That's just another lie that we believe. But marriage is, in fact, a divine order created by God himself and given to us for our benefit. It's far more more important than I think a lot of people realize. Marriage, it's absolutely essential God gave this thing to us, this gift, marriage, for a reason, a function, a purpose. It's designed by God for something. So let's dispel some of the lies about what God, and look at what God really teaches us about the design and the importance of marriage. So we're going to do this this week and also next week. It's so big we need two weeks to handle this one, right? But let's just dig in at the start. Right from the very beginning, marriage was created by God for the fulfillment of men and women. God created marriage for the fulfillment that we might be filled full for men and women. I want to show you a verse. I printed it for you there on your outline, right? From 1 Corinthians 11. It says, God's plan is that men and women need each other. This is a Bible thing, a Bible promise from God. Men and women need each other. Now, do you know what a radical statement that is these days? A radical statement. A lot of people don't believe that. A lot of women today say, why do I need a man? And a lot of men say, why do I need a woman? Well, you do, because that's the way God created us. That's the God, way God wired us up. He designed us and created us, whether you ever get married or not, to need men and women in your life. And why is that? Because nobody holds the full image of God alone. Women get a part of it, men get a part of it, and they need each other to be completely filled full, completely fulfilled. God wired it up that way. God's the one who thought this up, not me. No, God's plan was that he would create a man and a woman, and when they came together, they would be better together than they are alone. They would be able to fulfill and complete one another. God thought up marriage. God thought up gender. God thought up sex. God thought it all up. It was his idea, not some man-made construct. The Bible teaches us from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, God creates Adam, but he doesn't create Eve until a little bit while afterwards. Have you ever wondered why he just didn't create them both at the same time? God must have had a purpose or a reason for that, right? I think it's so that Adam could realize how much he needed a woman in his life, how much we need one another, how empty life was without a woman in his life. God even said this in Genesis 2.18. He said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Can you imagine a world full of men? Yike. 
I'm pretty sure we wouldn't be here right now. We would have already totally destroyed ourselves, right? God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a companion who is right for him. I just want to unpack what this verse teaches. There's some important truths here. The first thing we see in this verse is that marriage and gender and sex and men and women and all of their differences is a God-made thing. God made us that way. God made us to be men. God made us to be women. And so we should celebrate the differences that men and women have, not seek to cause them to all be the same. Right? Do you hear what I'm saying? God made us equal but different. He never intended that there would be no difference between men and women. He intended that we would be equal but different. Second, notice that one of the purposes of marriage is that it's an antidote to loneliness. Look at the verse. He said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And so he created a helper for him, a comforter, a companion. That's my third point. There are all kinds of companions that are important to us in life. All kinds of different friendships and loves that we share. But there is nothing like the companionship that you have in marriage. You talk to any married couple and they'll tell you that. There are many other kinds of relationships and they're all important. They're all special. But nothing compares to the relationship of a man and woman who are committed to each other for the rest of their lives. There's no other relationship that could possibly compare to that. It's in a relational class all by itself. You understand? And God calls that beautiful, special relationship and companionship, he calls that marriage. You see, here's what Jesus had to say about this in Mark chapter 10. If you want to flip your outline, I have this printed for you. Jesus said, God's plan has been seen from the beginning of creation. When he made us male and female. I just want to stop and make sure you are clear when you hear this. Because this is one of the lies we hear in our world today. God made us male. God made us female. God chose what he wanted you to be. You don't get to choose. Do you understand? This is clear in the word of God, isn't it? God's plan has been seen from the beginning when he made us male and female. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united together as one body. Now, since they are no longer two but one, in other words, God sees a married couple as one flesh, no one should separate them, for God has joined them together. This is a powerful passage of Scripture. We could spend the whole day just talking about this verse but again, there's just three points I want you to see in this. Number one, don't miss, marriage is God's plan. Not a human plan, not a human idea. That means it's not a tradition that we can just throw away, throw out. God invented marriage when he invented you, when he invented me, when he invented humanity. Marriage is God's plan. The second thing is it says that marriage is for specifically a man and a woman. Again, there are all different kinds of relationships, all different kinds of love. A man can love a man, a woman can love a woman, but a man cannot marry a man, and a man cannot, a woman cannot marry a woman. That's not marriage. That's not what God said here. Marriage is for a man and a woman. Their body parts fit together, their minds and purposes and souls fit together for the creation of all the rest of us. God's plan. And third, Marriage is to be permanent. It says that God joins together when he joins us and no one else should ever separate that. That marriage relationship is for thick and thin, the good times and the bad. It's to be permanent, meant for life. Now, I'm sorry, I just have to stop. Do you know how radical these three truths are that I just shared with you are today? Can you imagine if we went out in the world and stood in the street corner and stood tall on these three words of God, we would be ridiculed, abused, called all kinds of names and words, wouldn't we? Right? But this is the truth upon which we stand. This is why we're doing this summer sermon series. We hear these lies all the time around us. And it can move us away from the truth of God's word. God's word is clear about marriage and what it is. Agreed? 
All right, so one more thought. As a pastor here, I love that uh, I've done hundreds of weddings, just hundreds. I don't even know if I could count how many weddings. If I could just do weddings, I'd have the best job in the world. And you know something I love about modern-day weddings? People are starting to write their own vows these days. Maybe you've been to a couple wedding where the couple, you know, actually shares their own vows. And I love it because it gives people a chance to express themselves and you get to hear their love for the other person. But there's also a downside to that, people writing their own vows. Many times, they, most times actually, they leave God out of their vows, right? They leave God out of their vows. I can't tell you how many vows I've heard that sound more like a contract, Things like this, I will love you as long as the sun shines. I'm like, yeah, what if it rains tomorrow? (laughs) I will love you because you make me feel so good. Well, what do you do when they make you mad? Right? I will love you because you're so beautiful. Listen, I used to have a pretty nice (laughs) six-pack. Keyword used to. And if Kelly loves me only for my six-pack, I'm in a whole world of trouble. I love you till debt do us part. (laughs) I will love you until love do us part. See, so many people make marriage vows into a a 36-month lease on a car or something. Marriage is intended by God for life. We promise to grow together through the thick and the thin and to have God be a part, of each and, uh, a part of each and every day. All right, so do you see how marriage was intended by God uh, for the fulfillment of men and women? We find joy and companionship and fulfillment and strength through all of life in God's gift to us of marriage. Second, God created marriage for the growth of our character. Um... I just really believe that no relationship has a greater impact on your life than your marriage. Would you agree? There is no single relationship that has a bigger impact on who you are and how you live and how you act than your marriage. And that God uses to grow us in our character, in our love for him and our love for each other. See, here's a fact. When you were born, not only were you a helpless little baby, but you were also completely self-centered, right? Is there anything on earth more self-centered than a new baby? A new baby doesn't even have the capacity to think about anyone else. All that can think about is itself. I'm too hot. I'm too cold. I'm hungry. I just made a stinky. I need someone to change me. You know, whatever. The first word a baby knows is I. It's all about me when you're a baby. However, growing up, maturity, and the purpose of life is to grow up and realize, some of you are going to be shocked, that it's not all about you. Right? The purpose and the meaning of life is not all about you. In fact, we learn as we grow and mature that real happiness comes in giving yourself away. That real happiness comes in unselfishness and being serving and being loving to one another. But we don't just, we're not just born with that. We're born broken. We have to learn how to be unselfish, learn how to be loving toward one another to grow. So the whole goal of your life then is to move from being totally self-centered as a baby to being an unselfish, loving adult. Do you know some adults who are still selfish babies? Please don't look at the person next to you right now. (laughs) Right? That's called immaturity. So I think that marriage then is just a laboratory in learning how to love, a laboratory of learning how to be unselfish and caring, a laboratory about putting someone else above you, learning to be unselfish. The Bible even says, I printed this verse in Proverbs 18.1, it's selfish and stupid to think only of yourself. So how do you get away from that? Well, marriage is this lifelong course in learning to be unselfish. Because when I get married, I can no longer think about me. I have to think about her. I can't just think about me, myself, and I. I need to think about her. 
How many of you are married and had to learn pretty quickly that you just couldn't do whatever you wanted? Raise a hand. The rest of you are liars. Because <laughs> you just don't. You don't get to do whatever you want. You don't get to do whatever feels right to you. You don't get to make the rules for yourself. There's another person. You learn quickly how to be unselfish. You know, the Bible has a word for this. It's called submit. The Bible says that in marriage we submit to one another. We submit our will to one another. We submit our desires, our wants to one another. A beautiful marriage is a marriage where people are so busy submitting to one another that all of their needs are met. That's God's design. And so look at the last sentence in your outline. I think the number one purpose of marriage then is to make me holy, not happy. And what I mean by holy is to make me more loving, to make me more caring, to make me more selfless, to make me more like Jesus, to love like Jesus first loved me, who gave himself for me fully and completely, who died for me, not because I deserved it, but because his love was so great that he submitted himself even to death for me that I might be forgiven and live with him forever. And that is what it means to be holy. And so the purpose of our marriage then is, is not to be happy, but to be holy. And here's the beautiful thing that God does. When we submit to one another, when we are holy in our relationship, when we love each other the way God loves us, guess what comes along with it? Crazy, wonderful happiness. A happiness that is beyond belief. A happiness that can only come in a committed marriage relationship between a man and a woman. When we are holy, happiness always follows. But if we flip it, it doesn't always work. So, so we've gotten a good start, I think, about dispelling some of the lies we hear today about marriage. I pray that those of you who are married, this will be um, a great time for you to rethink how are you submitting to one another? How are you loving one another? How are you committed to one another? How are you sharing companionship with one another? And I pray for those that aren't, that you will still honor marriage just as you were told in the scripture. So blessings all of you as we continue to grow in the truth that God teaches us about marriage. Until next week, amen. Well, friends, let's take a moment now to um, thank God for the gifts that he has given us, one of them being marriage, as we have our offerings. And I want to take this moment just to thank you for your giving. You know, these are the gifts that we use here at Faith to lift up the truth of God in our world and to make a difference for Jesus. So thank you for your giving. Our offering hymn this morning is titled, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. Love divine, all loves excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown.
as you are able, will you please stand as we continue with our prayers. Merciful Father, we offer with joy and thanksgiving what you have first given us, ourselves, our time, and our possessions, signs of your gracious love. Receive them for the sake of him who offered himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And let us now turn to the Lord and lift up our prayers, trusting that our Creator and Father in heaven will hear us and answer us according to his perfect will. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the Holy Christian Church here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who reject Jesus or do not know him, those who have been hurt by the Christian Church, and all those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the preservation of absolute truth and the one true Christian faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the strength of families, the sanctity of marriage, and the protection of children, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For seasonable weather and the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, and for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who work to bring peace, justice, health, and protection to our local and national communities, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who suffer from the effects of violence, war, and natural disasters, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the unborn, the abused, the forgotten, and the lost, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the hungry, the widowed, and the orphaned, and the lonely, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those battling addiction, depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those with physical and mental disabilities and all their caregivers, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who are sick and need your healing touch, we pray for Gary Mulhorn's aunt who is sick, for Sharon Bergsma facing surgery next week, for Bob Zulsdorf, Beverly Burke, Lou and Kay Maylander, Dolores Jacobson, and the many others on our ongoing prayer page. We also pray for those who have lost loved ones and grieve this week, for the family of Kyle Baton and the family of Joan Miller. We pray in their grief that you would bring them the hope of good news, of forgiveness and everlasting life, one for Kyle and Joan by Jesus. Lord, we also celebrate today with Travis Whitman and Cassie Popovich, who were both married yesterday, and thank you for their love and the vows they made to one another. We rejoice with Tom and Lois Murtis in 40 years of marriage, Rod and Karen Gardner in 44 years, and John and Chris Peterson in 46 years. Lord, let their love in their marriage be a reflection of your love for them for all of us. And finally, we rejoice with little Hayes, Robert McCarthy, who will be brought to the font of holy baptism later this morning, and pray that it is the beginning of a life full of your Holy Spirit's blessings in his life. And now into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now, friends, as you go out into this beautiful day, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.
Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is titled, Lord, Help Us Walk Your Servant Way. Lord, help us walk your servant way where every love may lead and bending low for getting self each serve the other's need. Thank you for joining us for today's worship service from the Faith Ministry Center of Faith Lutheran Church. All the members of Faith Lutheran Church invite you to join us for any of our worship services. We would enjoy sharing the time with you. For ministry center locations, worship, and education times, please visit our website at www.faithfoxvalley.org or call the church office at 739-9191. Any communication regarding this broadcast can be directed to Stephen Moore, Director of Worship, Fine Arts, and Music, Faith Lutheran Church, 601 East Glendale Avenue, Appleton, Wisconsin, 54911. Until we meet again, may the Lord bring you peace. <laughs>